My wife Katie and I were enjoying our Mondays as we always enjoy our Mondays last Monday. I don't know about you, if you think back of last week, it was one of the most gorgeous weeks that we have had in Central Florida. The weather was about perfect, and we always love our Mondays. I mean, for most of you all, tomorrow means a new work week, and you're going to go to work and think, oh, I hate Mondays. But for me, it's like it's my day off, and Yahoo. And uh, Katie and I, uh, we get rid of the kids. I mean, we get the kids to school uh, about 8 o'clock or so. Love you all. And... Then we enjoy our day until about 3 o'clock where they come back home. And Well, last, last Monday, uh, we were enjoying the beauty of the day, just enjoying one another's fellowship and, and being able to have a little time, a downtime. And my phone rang, and it was another uh, friend of mine who celebrates a Monday day off, uh, John Gamichia. Uh, Dennis, that's the day he takes off. And he says, Jeff, man, look outside. It's beautiful. Let's go play golf. John, I love my wife. I don't know about you, but I'm spending it with my wife here on my day. Oh, come on, man. We get nine holes in. Let's just go at least play nine holes. I said, no, really. I, I, let's, let's redeem the time. Uh, show our wives that we love and appreciate them. And my golf game's that bad anyway. I almost gave up on it. So I said, why don't you meet us at Park Avenue? We, we'll, uh, we'll have lunch together there in the park. And uh, we'll just celebrate and have this great day together uh, as husband and wives. And so they agreed to it. And we made our way to a winter park. And uh, as we were heading down, just enjoying the day, made our way down Park Avenue. And we were like, you know, where do you want to go to eat? And, you know, Katie and I are both youngest. And so that, to tell you right now, we have a very hard time making decisions, okay? Where would you like to go, dear? Oh, I don't care. Where would you like to go? I don't care. Where would you like to go? I don't care. Where would you like to go? Would you make a decision? So eventually we go all the way down Park Avenue, not making a decision. And at the end, we feel like there's Panera Bread. We'll go to Panera. So we make the right-hand turn and turn into Panera Bread. Have anybody here been to the Winter Park Panera Bread? What's one thing they do not have? Parking. Turn into uh, Panera and, unbelievably, a full parking lot. So we're making our way through the parking lot. We make that left-hand turn around the building going back out into Park Avenue. And we both notice this person laying face down in the parking lot. Uh, kind of over by the other cars. I mean, she, they, they weren't in danger of being run over like that. They just, it was just an odd sight. It looked like the person was, was dressed for work or something. I mean, it didn't look like someone you'd think taking a nap in the middle of the afternoon there. Uh, but there they were, just laying there, face in the dirt, as we made our turn behind the building, make a turn onto Park Avenue and go up to that light. And uh, now I'm starting to process. Panera's full. Where do I go to lunch? So I'm at the light, and we both saw this person there, and I asked Katie, I actually say this to Katie, the words come out of my mouth, this is your loving pastor, I don't feel compelled to go back, do you? (laughs) I mean, I'm hungry, you don't want to know me when I'm hungry, I'm on a task, sandwich, something down the road. And I asked Katie, and her response is, I don't know, i got a lot of things going through my mind right now. And she later told me she had the wherewithal to think through this. I mean, this person might be a setup, and we might get over there, and they really might want us to go over there, and they might pull a gun on us, and it might be a setup. Or maybe drugs have caused this, and the person's going to come to in a rage, and it's going to be really a bad situation. So she's thinking about all this, and I'm thinking tuna salad, tuna salad. And... (laughs) That light at Fairbanks, and when, that light is so long. I'm like, come on, light, will you finally change? All right, Lord, I'll go back. 
I got in the left-hand lane, put my blinker on. The light finally did change once my heart changed a little bit. And sure enough, pulled in the Panera. Guess what I found? Parking spot right there in the middle. You know, the Lord's like the Red, the red Sea. <laughs> Jeff, right there. Still having great compassion on my heart, I proclaimed to Katie, why don't you go get sandwiches? I'll go check on the person. <laughs> Thank God the spirit moves quicker and, and more evident in my wife, Katie's heart. And she's like, I'm not going in. I'm going with you. And we wake, make our way over to this person uh, and we see uh, that, uh, that it's a woman. It's an African-American woman uh, who's probably in her early 30s. Wearing a red sweater, black slacks, shoes, dressed for probably work, face in the dirt. Next to her was her car. In the back seat of her car was a dog with a work vest on. One that maybe you see Chuck Green have. And immediately uh, you realize that, this, that she's got some medical problems that need attention. And you know that feeling of complete uselessness? You know, I mean, I had learned CPR a while ago. I couldn't remember anything. I didn't know my name. I, all I knew is I'm on my hands and knees, with my hands uh, touching this lady's back, trying to feel for her pulse, very, very faint, very faint breathing. Ma'am, are you okay? Ma'am, are you okay? Uh, a cup of water had arrived. Obviously, she couldn't take it, so we used the water and, and dabbed our fingers on the water and just touching her temple. And, and ma'am, and ma'am, and there's a time I thought she was dead. I mean, I didn't see much life, and, and yet then I saw her eyes twitch and her leg twitch, and, and someone came over who was having lunch there. They were wearing a Channel 35 uh, shirt, and I saw the, the truck, and they were just obviously having lunch, and came by. We said, call 911. Call 911. This lady needs some help. And so, and you know, does your phone ever work in those times? He dials 911, you know, hey, we have an emergency here. We need to have someone come right away. And, hello, hello? Try it again. We have an emergency right here. I just called, and, and we need an Hello, hello? And so the third time, they were able to get through and say there's someone who is coming. Someone's on their way to rescue. And she was able to, uh, to come to a little bit. I, I looked into her eyes, and they're very clouded, and, and I could see uh, uh, she had some distress. And, and yet she wanted to stand up. She wanted to get up. I think she really wanted to be with her dog in her car. That's one of the first things she said. And so we got her to the feet. And, and, and being just the compassionate, loving pastor I am, I turned the other way and, 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 and said, Katie's got her probably, and, and right to the ground she went. Um, and, and again, we get, came to her, and eventually nine uh, the, the folks, the paramedics, arrived, and and uh, she received uh, the help that she needed. They took her to a hospital. I asked which hospital. I inquired. I called that hospital. I couldn't find a match up to the name that she, uh, the, the uh, tag that she was wearing. Uh, but, you know, it just, it just revealed so much about your pastor. What a reluctant rescuer I really am at times. I mean, how inconvenient. I mean, how reluctant I was to go to that one who was in need. But listen, there's some incredible news that we have today, and it's this, that our God is not reluctant when it comes to saving. We have a God who loves to rescue. We have a God who loves to run to the broken. We have a God who loves to run to the prodigal and bring salvation and bring healing as He comes. He is never reluctant. As a matter of fact, This loving God who would place a love upon sinners like us who deserve His wrath, the love He has for us is so unbelievable, so life-changing, the Scripture says that angels bend, they, they stoop to look into this love. 
that God the Father would demonstrate to sinners like us. We have a picture of that love and a picture of His rescue and salvation in 1 Peter 1, verses 10 through 12. And this is is a snapshot of God's love and work throughout redemptive history and how He loves to save His people through the work of His Son. We're mindful of reading God's very Word. 1 Peter 1, verses 10 through 12. As to this salvation, a salvation that Peter has been telling us about, this incredible grace-driven salvation. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was dictating as He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. And these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, I have a daunting task in front of me, preaching and proclaiming the good news of your word and your truth. Father, to talk about a love that is so incredibly vast and so incredibly great that angels have awe and long to peer into this love. Father, I am incapable as a broken sinner of articulating this truth in a way that brings You glory to which You deserve. In a way in which sinners need to hear this reality and be set free. In a way in which Your people need to be encouraged and emboldened by this. So Father, I ask that You would do that which You have done for the prophets, which You have done for those who have proclaimed the good news of Christ, and which You have done even for Your own Son. That You would send Your Spirit. That You would be pleased to speak through this broken sinner. Truth. And Father, the things that are empowered by the Spirit and do contain the good news of Christ, would You open up our minds to understand them and our ears to hear them? Would You empower our hearts to embrace them and empower our feet to walk in light of the truth of the Gospel and the good news of Christ. Father, the things that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly be fall, fall away and be forgotten. We pray that You and You alone receive glory and that we receive great joy. We pray in Christ's powerful name. Amen. When I was 12 years old, Star Wars made its debut in the theaters. Way back in 1977, if you can believe that. And I tell you, going as a 12-year-old to Star Wars, it was a very entertaining movie. And as we knew, as we now know, that it was really only one movie and a chain of movies that's telling a larger story. I mean, the story in and of itself in that one movie was pretty compelling. But then as the other movies continue to come out we realize that no, this was only a part of a grander story, a part of a bigger story. Some of the uh, uh, movies that came out kind of took us along the line in time moving forward. And some allowed us to look back and kind of told us the rest of the story. 
God's Word tells us one story. There's one story of a God who is and a God who reigns. There's one story of a God who has made man and woman in His image and His desire to be their God and be with them. There's one story of how man has fallen into sin and need for a Savior. And in this one story, there's only one Savior who has appeared. And it is God's own Son. There's only one Spirit There's only one Messiah. There's only one hope. There is only one story. And it's an amazing reality because in this book, this Word of God, there's 66 books, primarily written in two languages, Hebrew and Greek, also Aramaic, written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, penned through different authors, including Moses and Peter and Paul and James and John. There's an incredible uh, unity in this one story that was written over such vastness of time. And even in different eras and in different languages. But God tells one story. And not only that, there's one storyteller that tells this story. This story may not win an Oscar like maybe some of the Star Wars theories uh, or series have won. But what this story does, it tells of a God who is and a God who loves and a God who rescues. And this story may not win Oscars, but here's what it does win. It wins salvation to those by God's grace who hear it. It wins eternal life to his own children. It wins us freedom. It wins us a relationship with a God who is. And it it wins the envy and awe of angelic beings, of angels that want to peer in to this incredible love in this incredible mystery. The fourth Star Wars movie to come out was actually the first story. It was actually the first part of the story. They called it the prequel. And one of the, uh, the most interesting trailers in this uh, movie that came out, and by the way, uh, some of you uh, know this story a whole lot more than I do, and, and if I'm saying some things that aren't right, you can correct me at any time. Please, please do, because we want to know, those of you who are really like over the edge with this kind of stuff, <laughs> And you're welcome to move. Um, just kidding. But in that first, the fourth movie, which is really the first movie, uh, that's going to tell us the story of Darth Vader uh, and young Anakin Skywalker, there was some incredible cin- cinematography uh, that uh, uh, Lucas was able to capture. And in this one scene, it showed this little Anakin Skywalker that's going to grow up to be a Darth Vader himself. That in the shadow of this little boy, this innocent-looking little boy, the shadow that fell upon him or behind him was Darth Vader. And it was really cool because really in this one picture, as the light shined into this one picture of this boy, you can see what was behind that boy and what the story, the rest of the story would tell Well, God tells one story. There's no part B to God's plan. And the one story that God tells from Genesis to Revelation is a story of a God who is and loves, and it's a story of His own Son, Jesus, and how He has rescued sinners. You see, it's a story written and told by Moses. And we see this great prophet of God, Moses, but even Moses himself is going to say, there's one that will come behind me that is greater than I am. There's a greater prophet than me. One who will truly speak God's word because he will be God himself. And when you shine the light onto Moses, the shadow behind him is Jesus. 
And when you look at Aaron, this high priest in the Old Testament, and the high priest who stood before God to make sacrifice for the people of God, and the one who would be the intercessor for God, as you shine the light on Aaron, this high priest, the shadow in which cast behind him is the high priest is greater than Aaron. The one that would truly wipe away the sins of all his people once and for all. The one that would truly now live to intercede for us. Jesus, the shadow behind Aaron, was Jesus. And then we look, and we look at this king, this incredible King David, who was able to write poetry and able to defeat giants. And this one who has a lover after God's own heart. This this, this one who's a man's man, and, and yet so gifted, and yet so sinful. But when you look at the light of Scripture, and you see, and you peer into the life of David, you see a greater king that's going to come up. You see a king that really will rescue his people and lead his people in righteousness. One who will not fall into sin. You see the shadow of Jesus. You see, the incredible beauty of God's Word is that it tells us one story. And this one story makes its crescendo at the cross in all of redemptive history. As the light shines on redemptive history a little bit broader and broader. As we see the story more unfold. The story in which the prophets told us, not even knowing all of which they were saying, it's a story of Jesus. There's no part B here, folks. Sometimes we read the Scripture and we think, well, the Old Testament's a God of wrath, it's a God of law, it's a God of sacrifice, and the New Testament's a story of, of love and of mercy, and it's a story of grace. No, it's all a story of grace. It's all a story of Jesus. It all points to Him. He is the point of the entire book. And it's one story. Not only is there one story that these prophets are telling, there's one storyteller of salvation. As I've mentioned, the Bible being written over hundreds of years in different languages, different styles, yet it tells one story. How can it do that? Because all of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all that we have in these 66 books, God's Word says this, it is God-breathed. That God breathed in His very substance into these writers and miracle of miracles that when Moses wrote, Moses wrote in his style, with his gifts and abilities, with his ability to see life the way he saw it, but he had something else. He had the Spirit of God in his life breathed upon him that he is penning God's very own words. You see, there's not only just one story, there's one storyteller. And when we look to this one storyteller, we realize it's God. God tells his own story. The storyteller behind all of redemption is God himself. It is God who has breathed into us, into the writers of Scripture. And what does it say in verse 11 of these prophets who spoke for God? It says, they spoke of the salvation which was to come by grace. And they were making careful searches and inquiries. In verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating what was going to happen. You see, it was always one story and always one storyteller. It's the Spirit of Christ inside of those prophets that was allowing them, empowering them to speak God's Word. So when the prophets spoke, they spoke for God and from God because it was the Spirit of Christ inside of them. Now, don't you just rejoice in this this picture? That here we see the pre-incarnate Christ. Yes, one who was born in Bethlehem, but one who is truly the eternal Son of God. 
And there He is alive. And where is He alive? He's alive in the prophets. The Spirit of Christ was within them. And He was going to speak as the great storyteller. Not only is, is this storyteller uh, uh, present with the prophets and in God's Word, He's present in the preaching of the Gospel. Even this morning. Look at verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. And, and a little side note here, Orangewood. All of God's people are called not to serve just themselves. Christianity is never ultimately self-serving. It's ultimately God-serving and others-serving. But it was revealed to them that they were not only serving themselves, but they were serving us. They're serving you, those who would see these revelations fulfilled. And these things which now have been announced or proclaimed to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. See, there's an incredible beauty that there's one story that Peter is telling a part of that one story. But one thing that Peter is making very clear is there's one storyteller. And it's God Himself. We see the Spirit descend upon Jesus. And, and turn with me, if you, if you can, to Luke chapter 3. And Luke chapter 3 is, is Jesus' baptism. You'll also find it in Matthew 3 and Mark 1. But in Luke 3, we see Jesus being baptized. And in Luke 3, 21... It says this, now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son. And you I am well pleased. Here is the beautiful picture of God's own eternal son. God is telling us, listen, there's one story, one storyteller. God's Spirit is going to tell this story throughout redemptive history. God's Spirit is going to breathe in the writers of Scripture. God's Spirit is going to be within the prophets who speak. God's Spirit is going to be there when the, the gospel is proclaimed. And what do we see of Jesus in his own earthly ministry? We see the incarnate Holy Son of God receiving the Holy Spirit from on high. And then in in chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of this Holy Spirit, returning from the Jordan, was led into the wilderness to be tempted by God. And after He was tempted and He came out without sin, He began to preach, and He began to preach in His hometown. And in chapter 4, verse 14, verse 18, it says this, He was handed the prophet Isaiah in His hometown synagogue. And Jesus, filled with the Spirit, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And He closed the book and He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And with all eyes on Him, He says, Today... Scripture is fulfilled. You see, what Jesus was doing was He was proclaiming Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 said this of the Messiah, the Spirit of the Lord God will be upon Him, is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Here's the point. It's one story. There's one story of this one God who loves and He loves to rescue. 
And it's found within God's Word. And there's one storyteller, and it is God Himself. Jesus would tell us the story Himself from His own lips, the story of the God who is and the God who loves. And He would say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the point of this whole thing. If anyone who wants to find their way home, if anyone wants to find life and life abundantly, if anyone wants to know the joy of the Father, if anyone who has been born naturally or separated from God wants to be brought in and receive incredible grace and mercy, I am the only way. Jesus alone. And Jesus alone is God's storyteller. We also need to see not only the unity of the story, and the unity of the storyteller is the grace of this salvation. It says this in verse 10, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. One thing that Peter has made abundantly clear in his words so far is this. The love that the God has for us, the love that God has for us seen in the face of His Son through the power of His Holy Spirit, a love that would include a shedding of His blood so that we can be sprinkled clean, it is all because of God's unmerited grace and favor. We receive grace. We receive love. We receive mercy all freely from God. Not because of works. Not because of anything of what we have done or who we are. Listen, there's a mystery here that God who does not allow sins to go by unpunished, the God who says, the soul that sinneth shall surely die, yet leads with mercy for His own people. This God leads with grace and mercy with His children. All that we have in Christ, the riches we have in the heavenly realms, are only there because of a God who does lead with grace and mercy. If He led with justice, we're toast. If he led with wrath, none of us could stand and he would be justified because we've all fallen short. If you're his, if you experience his love, if you know his mercy, it's all because of grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that would save a wretch like me. I once was lost. I was blind. But now I can see by God's grace and grace alone. This salvation has always been about grace. It's always been about a God who continues to rescue and is never reluctant to rescue the broken. It's all because of Him. And this grace of the salvation, Jesus Christ is the sole source of this grace. You cannot receive God's grace apart from God's Son. The only way to know His favor, the only way to be set free, the only way to experience this grace is to experience a life-changing relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's no other way to experience this unmerited favor. There's no other way apart from His Son, Jesus Christ. Grace for our salvation. Jesus Christ is the source and the security of that grace. And then we got to see this unbelievable truth that salvation is secured through suffering. It talks about the prophets proclaiming that there is this grace that would come to you, that would come to us. And the prophets with the Spirit of Christ within them indicated that the sufferings of Christ and then the glories to follow... The only way that we can enter into glory, 
the only way that we can enter into hope, the only way that we can have life and life abundantly was for the Son of God to suffer. And the reason He suffered was because He would become our sin. He would suffer so that we could be set free. He would become broken so that we can become healed. He would die so that we could live. He had to suffer before He could enter into glory. And because of that, we too who may momentarily suffer will one day enter into glory. He has not only rent open heaven and thrown open the doors of heaven, He's also showed us the way. The way home is via suffering. We live in a fallen world. That we have hope what Christ has done and what He has secured through His suffering. You know, I I love, uh, one of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture is the end of Luke. Luke chapter 24. It's in Luke 24 where this unusual meeting with Jesus and some travelers to Emmaus takes place. And and they were distraught. I mean, they, they really thought that maybe Jesus was the Messiah. His teaching was unlike anything they heard. And the miracles which He did, unbelievable. But they saw Him there on the tree. They saw Him become a curse. They saw Him die. And they didn't understand that a Messiah had to suffer. They didn't understand the, the weight of the cross. And now as they journey to Emmaus, their hearts were heavy. And yet, Jesus appears with them. And he begins to open their eyes. He begins to tell them what needed to happen. And Jesus himself in Luke 24 verse 25 says this. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Lean into this. This is Jesus talking here. He says, listen, you don't get this yet. But let me tell you, of all the things that the prophet have spoken, there's one story that they spoke. There's one thing that they had to say. And in verse 26, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Jesus is saying this is what had to happen. This isn't the B plan. This is the A plan. If it didn't happen, none of us would enter into glory. And, And then, oh, how this blessed teacher Jesus, beginning with Moses, beginning with the beginning, and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all of Scripture. My brothers and sisters in Christ, there's one story of God who loves and a God who rescues. There's one storyteller and it's God Himself. And there's one who rescues those who are lost in this story. And that too is God Himself. And unbelievably of unbelievably, the only way that we receive glory and the only way we go home was through His suffering. Can you make up a better story? I mean, can, can, you, can, can there be a greater love? And that's why there was angels with, with awe. The angels, it would, the Greek says they had to stoop down to look into this. How can God love sinners so radically? How can God's own son become a curse? How could he die the death that they deserved? How could death not hold him in that tomb? How could they be set free the way they are through the blood and the work of Christ? It's amazing love that even angels envy. You see, Jesus shed His blood for us, not them. We are the ones that are His chosen. We are the ones that have been justified. We're the ones that have been in our being sanctified. We are the ones that have been adopted into His family. We are the ones that one day will be glorified. And angels sit back in awe. Are you in awe? Are you in awe of a loving story that has reached you? 
You see, today through this table, it proclaims the story continues. The story continues to go on. The love continues. And we do this in remembrance of the One who loved us and set us free. And our call now is the privilege of telling that story, no matter who you are. Tomorrow probably is not your day off. Tomorrow probably represents a Monday for you. we got to go and go back at it. But let me tell you something. If you have been set free by God's grace and the love and the work of Christ, you tell the story as an ambassador of God. That is our, we are in line with the prophets. The Spirit of God is within us. And now the story goes on and we proclaim the good news. We proclaim it through word and deed. Where are you this morning? Are you part of that story? If you are, rejoice. Rejoice with the angels. Some here this morning may be outside the story. Maybe it's always been a story there that hasn't intersected your heart yet. Let me tell you, the only way that this story is life-changing is when His story enters your heart. And through repentance, you come to the cross and say, I want to be a part of this story and this love that envy the angels envy. Come and wash me afresh with the blood of Christ and surrender your life and be a part of His story. It's the greatest story ever told. Orangewood, let's proclaim the story in word and deed everywhere we go. Let us pray. Father God, a love that You would have for us, a love that would rescue us, God, who can fathom? It it, it inspires such awe even from the angelic host that they have to peer into this. You know, God, please don't let our hearts be so callous that the love of Christ doesn't penetrate. And God, we thank You for the unity of the story. We thank You for the beauty of the storyteller. We thank You for the God who creates. is the God who redeems. It's the God who reveals. And He's the God who loves. And oh God, may we now proclaim the story in word and deed to others. May we truly be filled with the love of Christ to the point where it spills over. Father, may this church be a radiant bride that proclaims this story of a God who loves and a God who rescues. And Father, for anyone here this morning that's outside of this story, God, would you rescue them afresh this morning? Would they come to the place where they know that you and you alone are the story giver, the storyteller, and the rescuing Savior? For the glory of Christ we pray. Amen.